Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, presented by the Dallas Morning News, where every day we're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend. And we got like all four of those things wrapped into one today. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me today, as we bask in the afterglow of J.J. Barea just shredding the Utah Jazz, is Isaac Harris. What's up, Isaac? Man, I'm feeling great after a... I guess we can't even, can we call no we can't can we call this a clutch win? It counted fourth as a quarter clutch Mavs. Win, so yes, this is the real fourth quarter Mavs right here. This this Jazz game, everything. There's so many weird things about this game, but I was very confident heading into this game that the Mavs would win this, and here we are, another win in the bubble. Absolutely, there was this one was never in question. So uh, the Mavs sat Luca, KP, and Dorian Finney-Smith. And the Mavs still rolled. Let's go. Never in doubt. Dallas was down by 22 points in the third quarter. Doesn't matter. It was obvious that they were going to come back and win. It's the Mavs' biggest comeback win, Isaac. I'm sure you've seen this stat by now. Since 2016. What else happened in 2016? The Mavs went to the playoffs. All right? It all makes sense, man. Put on your tinfoil hat. Everything is going to totally make sense. Who else was on that team in 2016? J.J. Barea, okay? <laughs> Guess what he did in 2006? He won Player of the Week. Who else has won Player of the Week this year? Luca and KP, all right? You're just a sheep if you don't see what's going on. The Mavs are going to win the championship. How many, how many games do you need to win to win a title? 16. I mean, come on. It all adds up. Uh, but on a serious note, it was a, a very good comeback win for Dallas, and, and there was some wacky stuff going on. Obviously, we'll get into all of it, but... Uh, Utah sat their starters for the entire second half. Donovan Mitchell didn't even play in this game. However, I mean, you still got to roll five guys out there, and you still got to go win the game. And the Mavs went and got it. They outscored Utah 34-14 to in the fourth quarter, like we said, erasing a 22-point deficit. Uh, and it wasn't just starters that did it. You know, Tim Hardaway, Seth Curry had a great game. Boban had a really good game. But uh, it was Michael Kidd-Gilchrist off the bench giving you some defense. DeLon Wright had three steals. Josh Reeves beat his man back door for a couple cuts and made some plays. So uh, all in all, you know, pretty much everybody that did get into the game, story's going to be more about who missed the game, but everybody who did play contributed and, um, you know, not only got the win, but also more importantly kept the Mavs' hopes alive of moving up in the West. Yeah, I mean, you're you're obviously holding out hope as a Mavs fan that there's a chance that they could still move up in the standings possibly over these next three games, three games, including the Utah game today. And then, you know, when they decide to say Luca and KP, you're going to be kind of worried about this. Uh, but Utah, they've been kind of weird over the past you know, game or so for them because they're trying to play their own strategy with stuff. They set all of their guys, all of their starters uh, for the whole game against the Spurs the other day. Then they go into this game, Mitchell didn't play, and then they roll out in the second half, and their starters didn't come back out. And you're like, okay, we just saw Boban just straight up dominate Rudy Gobert in the, I mean, screen assist what? Boban, <laughs> let's go. Um, but, but no, it was just, and then the game starts, and then it was just weird. I mean, the Jazz literally were 8 of 14 from 3 with like three minutes to go in the first quarter. And you're like, seriously? Like every shot that they took felt like it was going in. And it. I doubted a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I doubted a little bit that they were going to win. But, you know, it just that's what I get for doubting. I, I have to be proven wrong. What's weird about the bubble is that 
Nothing makes sense, okay? So re- we're really starting to see, like, what happens whenever home court is not on the line, right? Mm. Like, coming into this thing, the Jazz were in fourth place, and Utah has great fans. They got a great home court advantage. They got the elevation. It's loud in that building. It's not a place the players want to go uh, if you're on the opposing team. And so, you know, had the Jazz had the opportunity to play for home court, I feel like they would have done it. But now you're really just – everyone's trying to play, like, pick your matchup, right? And Houston is a really weird matchup for Utah because Gobert is seven foot three, and obviously Houston's tallest starter is basically, like, my height. And so it's a really weird matchup, and it would make sense that if you're playing every game on a neutral court, there's no home court advantage at all. Maybe you uh, would rather play somebody else. And so the Jazz, you know – Maybe they don't want to win every game the rest of the way. They sat Donovan Mitchell. They sat all of their starters against the Spurs the other day. Uh, so it's kind of a it's kind of a, a weird uh, situation that's unfolding. But um, but yeah, I mean Dallas still Dallas still went and got it. They were doing some of their own weird stuff today, sitting Luke and KP. It's a, the front leg of a back to back. Three of their first five games went to overtime. And so, you know, I I feel like it was inevitable that those guys were going to sit one of these games, whether or not Dallas had the opportunity to move up, Um, even if it was all the way up to third or fourth or something. Who knows? Maybe they would have still sat. But uh, the guys who did play were awesome. And I think one of the upsides, too, of sitting both of those guys in the same game as opposed to still playing Luka against Utah and maybe sitting KP against Portland or vice versa is that you give Seth Curry and Tim Hardaway Jr. a ton of shots and those are two guys who, for half the season, were combining to give you 30, 35 points a game uh, on average. I mean, they were playing great, but in the bubble, they just they haven't had it. Tim's been uh, you know, pretty inconsistent up and down. Seth Curry missed a couple games with a, a leg soreness and then came back against, I think, Milwaukee and just was sort of like you know hit or miss. And so it's very important that those two guys got going. And so you knew with no Luka and no KP, there was going to be a ton of shots available for those two guys. And they took advantage. Tim scored 27. Curry scored 22. Uh, Both of those guys were huge in the fourth quarter, but also really throughout the entire game. And once Utah finally cooled off in the same way that Sacramento did, Sacramento went 9 to 15 from three in the first quarter of that game. Utah goes 8 for 14. They were at one point, I think, 19 out of 32, which is just insane. Uh, but eventually you're going to cool off. And whether it's because the guys out there are cold or because you make substitutions, whatever, Utah finally cooled off a little bit, gave Dallas a little bit of an opening, and, and the guys who were on the floor went out and got it. Yeah, I looked at it. I went and looked at the Jazz um, kind of three-point stats. I think they're like eighth in the league as far as like three-pointers made per game. And so at least they're a top-ten team. I, I was looking at it like, seriously, Utah of all teams? But then I looked into it a little bit more, and it's not that crazy. But still, it is like that's an insane percentage, though. It felt like everybody was hitting at a high clip. And it's not Bogdanovich. It's not Donovan Mitchell. Those guys were both not playing. It yeah. was like Niang and Emmanuel Moutier, you know, and that's the part of it that was like, oh, my God. You know, maybe it's just not our season, you know, whenever that kind of, that kind of thing is happening to you. Yeah, and, and going into it, you know, win or lose, I think the biggest thing for this Mavs team is how do we get Tim and Seth back going offensively? And it's just like you said, I mean, they both came out and Tim had 27, 22 for Seth. And it's like, all right, cool. Like win or lose, it felt like they both kind of got their shooting groove back a little bit. And there were two players that came off the bench. Well, actually, didn't JJ didn't come off the bench, but I thought, man, JJ had a 
really impressive game. 18, 18 points in this positive and pl- net rating. Um, I thought, I thought he ran like pick and roll with Boban really well. I thought that was like a, a thing. And I honestly, I like, I joke, I was joking on Twitter before the game and like during the game, like Boban versus Gobert. I honestly do think like Boban presented Gobert a different type of like problem beneath. And it's like something he's probably not used to, especially in the fir- first quarter or so. So I thought that was actually an issue for Gobert, but Michael Kidd Gilchrist dude comes in and like, I, I joked about that. He hasn't taken a shot in a game since like since March and he's played you know, a handful of games since then, but dude comes in and this is just like the, the point when you look at a basketball game, it's not just about the box score that, yeah, he didn't take a shot, but a dude played 18 minutes and was a plus 21, the highest net rating on the team. And, but he had six boards. Carlisle talked about it after the game, played good defense. That's what you want to see out of a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And his defense was very important because to that point in the game, Moutier was just killing yeah. the Mavs. He was having a great game and he's had some good games against Dallas in the past, this is a guy who was a top ten pick. Went to the Knicks, um, and then he played Dallas for the guy, Nuggets. Right? What's up? What's up? Dallas guy, right? Yeah, he went to I want to say Prime Prep, uh, Deion Sanders mm-hmm. School. Um, you know, he went to the Knicks, been with the Nuggets. He played overseas for a little bit. So I mean, he's kind of been everywhere. Um, but he's had some big games against the Mavs throughout his career. He was playing great in this game, pulling into the shots with confidence. You know, getting into the lane, kicking it out, finding guys, and. Dallas put MKG on him, and MKG really put the clamps on him. I mean, he he played him great, and DeLon Wright made some very big plays as well, uh, and Maxi Kleba was really big out there too, and so that was a really interesting lineup. You know, those are three guys that are not really known for their offense. Maxi's come a long way, uh, especially this year, but whenever Dallas had Maxi, DeLon, and MKG on the floor – that was like a, they were a defensive force. I mean, they were forcing turnovers. They were forcing bad shots. And now, to be fair, again, you know, a lot of Jazz rookies were in the game. At one point, they had four rookies on the floor. Uh, a couple of them were two-way guys. And so, you know, you can't – you know, you can only you can only take as much from it as you want to. But that just kind of – it was a new look for Dallas. Ordinarily, they're like, let's go all in on offense. But for that five, eight-minute stretch, it was – Maxi, DeLon, and MKG just defending their butts off, getting hands in passing lanes, contesting shots, flying in for rebounds, just pl- bringing a lot of energy. And that, in many ways, is what you have to do. And if you want to come back from down 20, you can hit 10 threes, but you still got to get stops, right? And so defense has to fuel comebacks, and they were able to get a lot, string together a lot of stops in a row, and that's why MKG had such a, such a good plus-minus. Yeah, and Josh Reeves played in this game. He was a plus-nine. Uh, scored I think it was his first career points in the league right yep in, in this game and uh so I mean he he played 13 minutes in this game uh DeLon Wright played 18 minutes you are you shouted him out but I thought he had a stretch there uh, I guess it was in the fourth quarter I think uh I know it was at least the second half fourth quarter to where yeah I mean he had a couple driving dishes that were super impressive playing defense um uh, he had a Lucas style no look pass to the corner too yes on one play uh they swung it around, missed a shot, and then he got the offensive rebound, kicked it out to Maxi for a three. In a way, it's like I think this game 
is needed for not just the Mavs, but for any team that you take the two stars that are going to lead your team most nights offensively. And you have a game like this. I love seeing, like I've seen some people like like tuning out for this one. It's like, oh, Luca KP. And it's like, okay, I can skip this one. I love watching games like this because this is a time to where you, you see how the other guys can step up, take advantage of an opportunity. And you see guys like Seth and Tim get back in the groove some. But also, I think it gives you a little bit more confidence in a guy like J.J. Barea or seeing like Trey, man, Trey Burke off the dribble. He, He's nice. I feel like I feel like he impresses me more and more every single game. And he had a he had one move tonight to where he did this like spin or behind the back on uh, on Joe Ingles and then this like hezzy on on Gobert. He missed the layup, but it was nasty, nasty drive. He did another behind the back on Tony Bradley, and Bradley just had no chance. But you've mentioned this before on this pod that his ability to penetrate in the second unit. It's, it's huge for this team because outside of Luka, they don't really have a ton of players to do that. And like Tim and Seth, they can in, in, in spot situations, but Trey gives them that unique angle to, to run in that second unit that nobody else on the team really gives them. Yeah, late clock situations, he can do it because he's quick, he can create separation, he can get in the lane, he finds guys, he can create his own shot. And that last part is especially important because – There are so many times, man, in an NBA game where whatever, maybe you've had five bad possessions in a row and all of a sudden there's five seconds left on the shot clock and the other team has it rolling and they're maybe on a 7-0 run and you're starting to feel the pressure and you're like, God, Luca's on the bench. What do we do? And you need somebody to just step up and take a shot, you know? And that's what has made, in my opinion, Tim such a valuable starter because guys like Dorian and Maxi and Dwight Powell – you know, they're not necessarily creators, and they're also not going to take more than five or six shots in a game on most nights unless they are going Nova like Dorian the other night against Max or against the Bucks. Um, but Trey Burke is not shy, right? His light is always green, and sometimes that can be like, uh, okay, buddy, slow down, you know, let's get everybody involved. But in a game like this, you need points. In a game like Houston, he was on fire. You got to ride him. I mean, when, whenever he's going – you gotta you gotta just ride the hot hand and uh it's it's good that they have another guy who's not afraid to pull the trigger jj is the same way you you drop jj in a game it doesn't matter who he's playing against he is gonna be like okay yeah i'm just gonna go out and do my thing and he did that against utah starters and i thought he was very good you know they, they started him against sacramento a few games ago and he just didn't really make much of an impact honestly and dallas went away from it very quickly i mean rick is not shy whether you're a rookie like Josh Reeves or you're one of the oldest guys in the league like JJ he will if if things aren't working he'll sit you down and um you know but JJ had a pretty good first quarter I thought and then put him back in in the third quarter and once Utah sat their guys JJ just went at him you know and uh and and made an impact and so uh really helps you appreciate also how good NBA veteran players are Trey Burke and JJ yeah. Bray are the point guards going up against again no disrespect Utah has some they, they got some nice young players on that team but some younger guys with less experience and JJ and Burke just picked them apart man and it, it was it was very entertaining to watch hit them with backdoor cuts three or four times uh getting around them like they're not even there uh JJ made some really insane pass he made one pass to Boban it was like a wrap around leave your feet just kind of like levitate the ball in the air and Boban somehow I I don't know how it worked it looked like a glitch in a video game uh but he made it work I mean they're just I don't know coming into the bubble you were like man outside of Luka they don't have any playmakers 
But JJ and Burke have had a couple good games in a row now to where you're like, okay, if God forbid Luca fouls out or whatever, gets you know, needs to sit out to nurse an ankle or something, they they have guys that can create shots for other people. Yeah, and if you are a young point guard listening to this pod, which I don't know the demographic of that, how many of you there are? Thousands, thousands. <laughs> but if you are, go watch tape of J.J. Barea throughout his career running the pick and roll. It, literally, it's the death taxes and J.J. running pick and roll because this is what – I mean, how many players – has JJ done this with, and it's been efficient from, I mean, we could go all day, but like today, I mean, whether it's Dwight Powell, KP, Dirk, whatever it is, but even today he rolls out with Boban. And I mean, how many times did it, did it work with Gobert Garden, Boban? I mean, one Boban of the got best two- defensive players of the generation, <laughs> yes. the generation, two time defensive player of the year. And like, I mean, Boban had two dunks in the first quarter. and I felt like J.J. and Boban was just picking them apart. So, yeah, go watch J.J. run the pick and roll. But can we shift to something you talked about earlier as far as standings standings go? Yes. For this for this win, like, Dallas had to have this, right? And, and if people are listening to this pod and they're kind of confused on all the planned scenarios, especially with this Mavericks win, we're, we're recording this, I mean, roughly an hour or so, a couple hours more probably an hour after this jazz game, but what lay out the rest of the, these few games for Dallas and how they can possibly still move up right now in the bubble from local high schools to the pros. The Dallas morning news has got North Texas sports covered. And it's more than just the scores from all the off season moves to in season adjustments, and maybe even postseason glory. We certainly hope so around here. The DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite team players and coaches. We follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. Head to dallasnews.com sports now or preferably after the podcast, but either way, definitely check out what uh, Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Okay, so almost everything is in flux in the West right now. Nobody except for the Lakers is locked into their current seed, I think. Uh, everything is still up in the air. But basically, uh, so that's that's it's very confusing. So I, I don't blame anybody for not knowing, especially because every team has played a different number of games, which is very – it makes the math very bizarre. But here's the deal. Dallas has a game today against Portland and Thursday against Phoenix. If the Mavs lose either of those games, it does not matter. They will be seventh place no matter what. So none of these other scenarios even are relevant. The Mavs' magic number to clinch the seventh seed is one. They lose one game, they're done. Uh, Anybody else wins one game, the Mavs are done. So basically, this is what has to happen in order for the Mavs to move up. They could still climb to as high as fifth, I believe. If Dallas wins out against Phoenix and Portland, or Portland and Phoenix, depending on how you want to look at it, They can move up to sixth by either Utah losing to the Spurs in their last game. The Jazz only have one game left. If they lose that game to San Antonio and Dallas wins out, Dallas will pass Utah. They could also move up to sixth if they win out, of course, and then OKC loses to to both Miami and the Clippers. OKC has had kind of a confusing restart they beat the jazz by 16 they beat the lakers by 19 and then they got clocked by memphis and they lost to phoenix by almost 30 today so they've had two double digit wins they've had 
uh, two double-digit losses. They lost to Denver in overtime. So it's been a very weird sort of restart, up and down, choppy for OKC. OKC plays Miami and the Clippers in their last two games. And so those are two quote-unquote losable games. And so it's realistic. It's, well, maybe not realistic, but it's very it's very possible for Dallas to move up. And now if Dallas wins out and Utah loses to the Spurs and the Thunder lose both of their last two games, then the Mavs could move all the way up to fifth, in which case they would play Houston. And at this point, because of uh, you know that improbable defeat that the Mavs suffered in their first game, uh, they cannot catch Houston. Houston is three full games ahead of the Mavs, and uh, Dallas, of course, only has two games left. And so Houston, as far as the Mavs concerned, has clinched the fourth or the fifth seed. It does not matter. Uh, Dallas cannot pass Houston, but they can pass uh, either or both of OKC and Utah. But again, like I said, none of this matters if they lose a single game. So they have to win out. And now if you're looking at the schedule, you might be licking your chops and saying, okay, they're playing Portland and Phoenix, two teams outside the playoffs. But honestly, like if I'm the Lakers right now, I'm kind of like this sort of sucks because Portland and Phoenix are arguably like the two hottest teams in the bubble right now from the West. Outside, of course, of Denver – who's the one team that every Mavs fan wants to play. Well, Denver's like unbeatable right now. So it's a really like it's a really weird situation going on. Yeah, and that's Alec Peters-less Phoenix Suns. Yeah. So, they're still finding ways to win, man. It's crazy. Still finding ways, but you mentioned the Houston thing and I, honestly, I think this is one of the the underlying storylines right now because I think you can even stretch it further to where is OKC in the similar boat as Utah because OKC plays Phoenix today. And they said everybody except for Chris Paul. They said SGA, Adams, Gallinari. You fill in the blank of everybody set out. So Phoenix wins. Now, so this is where it gets. I'm already anti trying to predict wins and losses on a schedule. But in this scenario, it's impossible because like we you, you don't know what teams are trying to do right now. I do think Utah is trying to avoid Houston. I think they're looking at it saying Houston's locked in at four or five, one of those two spots. The only way for us to guarantee it not to play Houston in the first round is for us to guarantee our spot in six or seven, and which is crazy to think about that they would rather play like Denver or the Clippers possibly over Houston. But Houston gives them so – like Gobert just would would really struggle in against Houston. It's, people's talked about it forever. So, for them, setting they've their played, guys against... Utah and Houston, sorry, they've played in the playoffs a few years in a row. Houston has won those ser- that series both times, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I Honestly, I don't, you know, been kind of tuned out of playoff basketball from an analytical <laughs> perspective for the last few years for understandable reasons. But but it's crazy. Like, I watched, I watched the fourth quarter in both overtimes the other day of that Utah-Denver game. And they're probably looking at saying, hey, like we went two overtimes, Jokic, Gobert can play against Jokic at least instead of the Houston. Houston just gives such a weird mismatch for so many teams. But we don't know. I'm pretty confident that's where Utah is landing on this. I don't know where OKC lands on it. And I'm saying this because there is an outside chance that Dallas could still move up if those, especially those other teams above them, because you could look at it and say, all right, well, there's no way OKC is going to lose these next two games and and Utah because – I think there's a chance Utah looked at this game today against Dallas and said, hey, going into it, there's no way OKC is going to lose to Phoenix. You know, they want to keep things going. But then OKC said everybody. And then Phoenix wins, and then they come out at halftime, and they're like, oh, crap, OKC, you know, they lost this game to Phoenix, so we can't let 
OKC outlose us. So let's keep our starters on the bench. So I think this is going to be a weird storyline over these next few days of which teams are trying to avoid Houston in that 4-5 matchup. And if if both of these teams really go all out and trying to lose those games, Dallas could step up and say, we'll play Houston. Like, And they could, um, honestly, they could move up. But, I mean, some of you could be listening to this, you know, Tuesday night and the Portland-Dallas game, and this could just nullify all of it. But, oh, well, this is where we're at right now. Yeah, it is kind of weird that, I mean, I, I think it's perfectly reasonable to believe that, Again, there's no home court advantage at stake, and so teams kind of can influence the who they want to play against because it, it otherwise it doesn't matter. Um, it, it's reasonable to believe that Utah is like, yeah, we'd rather not have Gobert go up against P.J. Tucker at center. You know, that would yeah. be tough. It's also reasonable to think OKC would rather not face Houston, even though I think it would it would get Chris Paul's juices flowing and him versus Westbrook would be a great story, and also. Uh, you know, Westbrook versus OKC would be a great story. And SGA seems like the kind of guy that could give Harden some problems, you know. Yeah, I like him too. Yeah, he's he's long and ch- and all that stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But it, it's reasonable to think like, yeah, Steven Adams is an important foundation to our team. And he would be a great matchup for Jokic. So, we want Denver. Uh, or even the Clippers. Because SGA could, to a degree, maybe guard Paul George a little bit. That would be interesting too. But, I don't know. It's just weird to think that that is going on, you know, potentially a, a, like a, a, a mini little tank off is going on at the same exact time as the Mavs fighting for their dear life against what who would otherwise be lottery bound teams who are only alive for playoff contention, partially because the NBA is like, you know, uh, creating a play in tournament to get Zion in the playoffs and New Orleans isn't even going to qualify. And so like instead it's like Dame and Devin Booker are like, yeah, let's go and get it. And now all of a sudden Dallas is going to have to beat two lottery teams in a row to move up and they're just they happen to be on fire and so it might not even work out. It's a, it's very weird how all of this bubble thing shook out because coming into it again you and I thought like there's a really good chance that Portland and Phoenix will be eliminated by game 7 and 8 and so they might be sitting everybody but now they're going to be going balls to the wall to to get a win because everybody else Memphis failed to live up to their end of the bargain. They've lost like every game. And New Orleans has won, I think, only one time. And so the two teams that were supposed to be in the play-in have fallen flat on their face. And now all of a sudden the Mavs are like, oh, my God, like we thought it was going to have it easy. And now we're going to have to play like our two best games just to – and even still, we beat these teams. We can move up all the way to fifth. Here we were 24 hours ago thinking that we're going to play the Clippers no matter what. And, oh, by the way, the Clippers lost. The Nuggets won. And so the Clippers might move down to third. And so after all of this, Dallas could move up to sixth and still play the Clippers. So everything yeah. is still just totally up in the air. It's very bizarre what's happening. Yeah, and Clippers Nuggets, they play each other on Wednesday, which adds another wrinkle to everything. But, yeah, I mean, I, this Tuesday game, a lot of you probably listened to this before uh, the Blazers-Mavs game. And this Tuesday game, that's going to be a, a huge game because Dallas – assuming that Luca and KP and Dorian will probably be back for that game. We hope so. And then Portland literally is fighting for their lives. At least Dallas has a playoff spot locked in. Portland's really fighting for their lives right now. Dame just dropped 51 you know, a few days ago. So they're fair, really, that I was mean, on a bunch of backups. They were play, Who were they playing against? Do you remember? Uh, what was it yesterday, right? Let me they, look it up. They were playing against yeah. somebody that was resting everyone. I had to take a night off of watching NBA. My wife 
said terrible fans. Oh, they were playing against Philly, so maybe not all backups, but they didn't have Embiid. They didn't have uh, Ben Simmons. Um, but see, that's an, that's another thing with Philly. These, even looking at this Phoenix situation on Thursday for Dallas, like, all right, well, what if we get past Portland? Is there a chance that Phoenix won't be playing any for anything come Thursday? And it's like possibly, but. Phoenix Phoenix would have to lose their next game. San Antonio win, which San Antonio plays Utah, and if Utah wants to secure a six or seven spot, they'll lose that game to San Antonio. But Phoenix's game in between now and the Dallas game on Thursday is against Philly, who just announced Ben Simmons is out for the season, and you told me right before this that Joel Embiid's right is out for that game, right? Yep, ankle. So no Embiid, no Simmons. If Phoenix goes in there and beats Philly for their next game, they're definitely going to be all in for for that game against Dallas on Thursday, and that's going to be another tough game for Dallas. So if if Dallas does move up in the standings at all, it's gonna they're definitely going to have their work cut out for them. And it's crazy if you go back two games ago and you said, hey, Dallas is going to have to win their next four games, and you're like, all right, they lost a couple here in the first you know few games of the bubble, but then they had the massive win against Milwaukee, then now they just beat Utah. If they can go in and, get, and beat the two hottest teams in the league, that's a that's a nice uh, streak going into the playoffs. No matter who you play. If only they would have beat the Knicks, then it wouldn't have even mattered, Isaac. That's <laughs> that's what it all keeps coming back down to. Um, so on the one hand, Dame is just playing on another planet right now, and he averages like eighty points a game against the Mavs this season. And so you can't even begin to envision a game plan against him I have the Mavs don't have and frankly nobody in the NBA has a guy that can stop Dame from getting his um but up and down the roster you know they got Melo who can score CJ McCollum always has great games against the Mavs Gary Trent Jr. is playing out of his mind now he did go two for eight against Philly including one for six from three before that he was dude he was flaming hot uh so you know they got a little bit of a squad of course Nurkic is back they start Zach Collins at power forward I'm not sure if they'll do that against Dallas, though, because Dallas does play so small. So we'll we'll have to see what they do because, dude, if they play Collins at four and Nurkic at five, who's guarding Luka? Is it Melo, yeah. Dame, CJ McCollum? I mean, all of those guys, you know, like – I no, think, I think no, Gary Trent guards Luka tomorrow. So you think they start Melo at four, Gary Trent at three? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense to me. They also have Azonia and they have uh, 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 Gabriel from uh, Kentucky, Waylon Gabriel. Um, or Winion Gabriel, sorry. Uh, Please put Hazonia in. <laughs> uh, I think he had a big game, actually, against Dallas in one of these games that they played this year. But either way, I mean, Portland doesn't really have a good matchup for uh, for Luka, like a good guy to defend him. And they don't really – I mean, Zach Collins is a good defender around the rim, but you don't want Nurkic stepping on the perimeter. And so it's going to be a really interesting kind of tactical struggle where, like, of course, Dame can pull up from midcourt and drain a shot. And so you have to really, like – get creative to guard him but on the other side I, Nurkic is not really a good matchup for KP and they don't have anybody to guard Luka and so it's going to be a 150 to 140 game you know we've already seen one yeah. of those come to expect it every game but I mean I, I really think that's what I'm expecting just a, a total uh you know bombs away fest and I think that is part of the reason why getting Tim and Seth going today was so big because if either of those guys stays hot tomorrow, you know Luke and KP are going to go off, and suddenly you can get a win. But, of course, a lot of that could just be nullified if Dame just decides to go god mode and score 70 on you, because that can happen any game. 
Yeah, it's true. And will any of it – I don't think we've seen anything on Dallas's side of trying to jockey for a certain position, but will any of that be altered if we're recording this before the Nuggets play the Lakers, if the Nuggets go out and lose to the Lakers on Monday night? And then the Nuggets – you know, they drop, you know, another game back from the Clippers. And does that affect anything, what Dallas wants to do in, in over these next few games? But either way, I think it's going to be a fun game Tuesday night, Dame versus Luka. I think everybody in the league is going to be is going to be talking about it. And, yeah, we can all look forward to it. And they've had some epic battles this year too, man. They had um, the, the one game in Dallas, Luka hit eight threes, which is still his career high. And then they played a few games later. I think that same week, maybe it was like Monday and then Thursday or something. They played very quick, almost back-to-back. And uh, that second game that was in Portland, that also was on TNT, I think. Dallas hit like 18 threes in the first half or something, but that was the beginning of Dame's uh, just like romp whenever he averaged like 50 a game for a month or something. I think that was the first night uh, he just came out and was just on fire. I mean, he was just red hot, and that was the – first or second game of a pretty legendary streak so it's gonna be interesting to see what happens I mean this game means everything for Portland right now they're ninth place they're a half game behind eighth for Memphis of course it doesn't matter how far away you are if you're in 10th or 11th you're eliminated and so if Portland falls down in the standings then they're done and uh, this is their second to last game and so it's a must win for them if Dallas wants to avoid big bad uh, Kawhi and the Clippers this is a must win for the Mavs uh, so it's there's a, there's a lot riding on what would otherwise kind of be just your average uh, late regular season game. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I guess uh, we're in the business of prediction making. Uh, if the Mavs don't win by 50, Isaac, then what do you expect to have happen in this game? Oh, I think it's another high-scoring game, just like you said. I think it's a 142-138, to 138, uh, another Luka triple-double. and uh, But I think, I think KP outscores – Luca, I think KP drops like 35, hits like six threes, Mavs, Mavs roll out a win. All right. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. You got to find a way to stop Nurkic, though, man. You got to try and keep McCollum and Mello from going off. You know, Dame is going to score 40. It just yeah. is. He's inevitable. So just hopefully, you know, hopefully keep the other guys under control. Keep Gary Trent on a leash, man. Dude, that guy can get hot. He can hit five eight threes in a game no worries and uh that would and suck that's honestly pl- probably where they put luca defensively on gary trent and luca will have to stay stay his ground and not leave uh trent open very much because i think he's shooting what upper 40 percent right now from three yeah yeah he's on fire but it, it might sound counterintuitive but i feel like Melo's a really good matchup for luca because uh you know he, he does a lot of stuff in the post and is going to put you in space a little bit but uh luca's a big strong guy and so, you know, that could be that could be an interesting place to put him. Of course, you don't want to foul him. Mel is a very physical guy. You don't want to pick up two fouls early or something. So it's it's going to be a really interesting matchup, man. It's going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, but, yeah, this is a big win. Dallas takes down Utah, uh, sort of a ragtag group of guys, get it done. They recover from a 22-point deficit to come back and win, 122 to 114. That is now two straight wins for the Mavs, three out of four. Uh, back-to-back wins against playoff teams, which is really good to see. They're hopefully going to get this thing turned around and get uh, get things rolling as we head into the playoffs, which start very soon, man. Before we get out of here, you got any final uh, any final thoughts? Uh, Luka Doncic should be the most improved player. That's I'm just going to die on that hill, and it shouldn't even be a debate. So there you go. 36, 14, 19, two turnovers, win against the uh, best team in the NBA on national TV. Not bad. 
not Please bad. Please tell idea. me more about how many fish Brandon Ingram caught on his <laughs> yeah. off day. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. Won't have to wait much longer to find that out either. But all right. Thank you, Isaac, for joining me on the show. And thank you for listening. If you're listening before the Mavs take on the Blazers, then enjoy the game. If you're listening afterward, then I hope you enjoyed Luca's 60-point performance. And uh, we will see you next time on Mavs Daily. Mavs Daily.